Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Shocking, isn't it? I develop leaders and sales professionals all across the globe. I help them to tap into and achieve their true potential every day. I'm a business writer, speaker, and now host for this podcast, Shock Your Potential. Come on and join me. Let's learn and laugh together. Thank you and welcome to another episode of Jock Your Potential, my little business podcast where we focus on excellence in leadership, sales, and the customer experience. Joining me today is someone I had the opportunity to meet last fall, and I'm just very excited about the passionate mission that she is on and talking about her company or her organization that is called Cooks Who Care Inspire. So I'd like to welcome to the show today my new friend, Maria Campbell. Thank you for joining me, Maria. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. This is going to be so fun. I just love what you're doing. So I'm just going to throw it in, you know, back to you, though. Tell us a little bit about, you know, this organization that you've started, what it is, and why you're doing it. Yes, it's a very passionate endeavor because I'm a chef by trade. My husband is a chef and he is working at a country club and we met being in the circuit of being in the food industry and it's affected our lives, our entire lives. So we've been married for about, geez, 11 years now and we've been in the industry for over 15 and it's something that you're, it's not separate from what you do. It's not separate from your life. And it's very much like any kind of service industry and it's tolling. There's a lot of sacrifices that are made and I've seen and witnessed and observed so many situations between friends, colleagues, et cetera, that really deeply affects you and your well-being. And that. Let me just jump in there for a moment because I agree and I don't think people really contemplate it that, you know, working in the food industry as a whole typically are, you know, hours that are inconsistent that you, um, you know, depending on what you do, you may be places until two or three in the morning or later. Um, and, And it can really, it can affect every single part of your life. Absolutely. And we have a five-year-old, you know, I mean, you you may hear him in the background. I'm not sure, but that's, this is, as we mentioned before, this is life. This is our life. And um, it's not, it's not dissimilar from anyone else who's out there in the industry trying to make it and trying to serve others. And so the idea came around that like, does life have to be like this all the time? Is the culture of the food industry so strong that we cannot change the way it is at all? Um, Those were kind of the questions we explored to say, you know, if I asked my husband to change his hours, I've already made this commitment in the food industry to say, this is your career. This is something I acknowledge, I support. But at the same time, he would have to make an incredible decision to say, well, I'd have to totally change my job or totally take different hours with this internal conflict of am I still being a chef, you know, and, you know, fulfilling my passion would be a huge consideration for him to choose alternative choices. And it's like, that was the problem that I I really had um, with this industry that I deeply love. You know, if I change or I switch or I adapt to family life because I want to be a good parent, you know, I'd have to actually make this incredible career choice that changes and I may not be respected as a chef in the industry because of that lifestyle choice. And 
And that's a, that's a tough thing to have to, you know, juggle. Cause I can hear it in your voice. The, you know, the, the, it's not as easy as just saying, can you come home early today yes. or, or, you know, Hey, could you start working lunch instead of dinner? It's not, yep. it's not that easy. You don't have the same career trajectory or opportunities when you're limited. Exactly. And when, you know, people that are going out to eat are like, well, I want my dinner seven days a week. That's just the way it's going to (laughs) be. Well, then we we have to be there, you know, so holidays, weekends, you know, I, I've spent my entire life celebrating Father's Day a couple days after or, you know, Christmas will get the full day for us in our family. We celebrate that. But, um, you know, for, for the next day, maybe Christmas Eve, he's working, you know, and then the day after it's like, go back to work because you got, you have stuff to do. So it's especially in a country club setting, it's not, it's not all the same in every sector, but it's very demanding on that. And I already know like, okay, he's going to be leaving in the morning. Maybe our son doesn't get to talk to him for three days because he left early. He's coming home late. And so we get really creative, just even how we bond, you know, as a family, like, how do I stay connected? I've actually just had a conversation with somebody that it's interesting because in our, in our group at Cooks Who Care, like we're videotaping, we're, we're, we're trying to share new narratives to adjust a culture that's so deeply ingrained. And it's frankly, it is mentally abusive, you know, and we accept that as our normal to say, this is just how it is and how it's always been. And there is a shift happening where people are saying, I'm burnt out. I'm feeling like all my energy is expended in this area. And I am having a hard time regenerating that energy and the same joy that I had serving a dish in a window and it going out and the customer going, wow, this was amazing, does not satisfy my complete need as a human being. And that's where this kind of all came together, my personal view on it and how it affects our family. And also this other piece that I'm witnessing that it's like, that's not human to do what well, everyone's doing. And, you know, it's, I always say that you can never really know what goes on behind anybody else's four walls. And the reason that I say that is that I think that, you know, the things that you're talking about actually relate to a lot of people, you yep. know, people in retail settings, you know, people that, you know, work construction, you know, my son is, you know, raising two uh, young children on his own. And he is, you know, in a construction job where he might be, you know, three hours away from home and have to rush back to get the kids from daycare. And, you know, there's a sense that he's going through of, gosh, you know, when do I get to be a father and when do I have balance, but I have to put food on the table, literally, and I have to be able to work. And I think there's a lot of people who feel that stress. So and talk a little bit about, you know, what is Cooks Who Care Inspire and why did you start it? And what kind of things are you doing that you think are starting to change that dialogue? Yes, we are very pro-social. So things that we noticed is the isolation that you get from being at work, like the four walls is where everyone stays. And then the information they're receiving are always within those four walls. And it's just one angle that they understand. So no matter how long you've worked at a facility, you're only hearing one perspective in the place you work, and it feels like your entire Mm, world. Absolutely. So what... What we've done is we're asking people, change your tribe a little bit, try something new, step out, hear new thoughts. Maybe you have thought this thought, but you have not engaged in conversation with someone because your group and peer group that you're around 
does not converse this way and doesn't open up to talk about the issues that we talk about. So the first thing we did, we did is we knew we were limited. We know everybody has these very crazy hours. They're all different. Bakers and pastry professionals are up early. If I'm in a hotel setting, I, I may be there for extreme long periods of time. And then when the party's done, I go home or there's an event, et cetera. Um, restaurants have totally different hours where they're working late and they're not done, like you mentioned, like until two o'clock in the morning. So we have this gamut of depending on what sector you're yeah, in, you your together? hours different. We're like, how do we get a group <laughs> like this together? That they all have different hours and they don't take days off. Like these are the crew that is not taking sick days. They're working through. They just know that they have to do this. And what we're saying is, you know, hey, have you taken a day off recently? Right. When is your typical day off is how we ask people and that we put it in between service times. Mm -hmm. For example, like we meet at four to six. We meet at 11 o'clock in the morning sometimes because if you work the late shift, you could come in because you don't need to go in till 12. Right. You know, so you could stop by, you know, or after shift, you stop by. So we've really relaxed the um, the social kind of behaviors. And we've gotten really good at when we invite people, like the language we use has to be very sensitive to the fact that you have all these demands on your plate and actually you don't know if you could say yes. Right. You may want to say, yes, I want to go and hang out with you guys or I want to go meet up with you here. And hey, I've never been to this area. And so literally what we do as a social entity is we go, here's all the information you would need to come. Literally the parking description, where you would go. This is what the entrance is. We're going to meet here. Like literally take all the fears mm -hmm that and the the anxiety the of like i have to i have to yeah all the barriers i have to figure this out i don't know how to look now i need to look this up like we don't want them to have to do anything just come and here's the information we're providing like we literally bend over backwards because we understand on a piece of paper we had written out what would prevent somebody from coming and what are all the things i would question in order to go someplace i've never been before and because we've taken the time to do that, that's what we've decided to do is I, even if you can't come, for example, there is so much guilt between an individual deciding to show up somewhere in a social setting, which is like high anxiety provoking anyways. It's like, oh, I don't know these people. I don't know what I'm going to be doing and all this stuff. We say like, oh, if they say no, that's totally fine. And if we ask them four times and they had to say no, it's this thing in the industry where like you just accept like friends stop asking you to go places. You lose those friendships, maybe even your families. Like, ah, I just know that they're not they're just not gonna be able to come. And so even in our dialogue of response, we're very sensitive to the fact that we know that you probably wanna do this and it's gonna take us a while for you to actually go, you know what? You've asked me like six times. You know, right. and you but this is the time it. I can. Yeah. Well, and even with that, you know, you're talking about, and I think that it's still, it happens in, in other uh, related fields too, where, you know, if you get called at the last minute to come in or somebody didn't show up and, you know, you've made plans and now you have to break them again, that, you know, there's this sense of, okay, so 
are they going to ask me anymore? I'd really like them to, but I also am kind of embarrassed at this point in time because I've had to either back out or I've had to say no. So, but what type of events? And and I've seen, you know, I've taken a great look. I love your website. um, And I love uh, your uh, video clips that you have on YouTube because it's very, very informative. But talk about some of the events that you actually put on for people in the Mm -hmm. the, uh, food industry. Sure. We are completely thinking about self-care and wellness. And we, um, whether it's a social event where you're just meeting up for five minutes to meet your food neighbors, which is what we call them. Um, a lot of people don't even talk to food people from other facilities. Right. Right. Um, I really cater to people that don't go to networking events. They don't engage with others and they're really struggling with I just do my own thing or I just go to work. And so we really work on that. And then once we find that, then we say, hey, why don't you come and meditate? Why don't you come go for a hike outside? Uh, Really low key activities that are all introductory level. So we're working on more. There's three usually categories that we work in. One is like a conversational one where we want them to go to a, a restaurant or shop retail store that normally doesn't have like a private space for you. But we say, hey, can we come in from four to six and just kind of reserve this table? You can't really reserve, like for example, at Pure Fair, we had an event that was garnered around um, health topics. So we, we're, we're getting a little more niche with the conversations that we do. Um, and I would say hyper niche because we're working with people that have some sort of direct affiliation with the health industry, whether they're a personal chef that serves healthy food meals, they're vegan and have um, and are a writer for for a vegan art um, uh, venue, and then um, we have a health coach and someone in the medical field. Like we we try to put people around a table that really would be able to have a really meaningful conversation with each other, but have completely different perspectives. Right. And would have never ended up at the same table otherwise. Yes. And that's what I love. So we're always putting people together that normally, no matter what event we're doing, this is a group of people that have never made contact with each other before. And they're really stepping outside of their peer group in order to meet. So we, we do open houses where a facility that, hey, you've never stopped by this facility. You've heard that it's open. You've read about it in the news. But you know what? You've right. never met the owner. And you've never actually gone to the place. So I get tired of everyone just talking about facilities. Right. And they've never gone. Oh, I really respect them. And I've done it. You've exactly. never <laughs> gone in. you know Well, and you know one of the things that I've been focused on so much lately, and it, it, I really hadn't sought it out, but it has been seeking me out as a number of people who have been reaching out to me for career advice. And, you know, when do I make a move and what should my resume look like? And, and, you know, I, I think I just have gravitated, uh, people have gravitated towards me because I've hired so many, 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 many people in my career. But what's interesting to me is how many really don't know how to network to maybe plan for their next job as something that they really want. And I see that a lot in the food industry. And and just so you know, I, I'm a firm believer that every single person should wait tables. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you learn so much. And there's uh, actually a, a huge portion of my uh, second book that's out this fall that's called Sales Mixology. It's based on an amazing customer service experience in a beautiful place with great cocktails, but it's about, you know, how do you pull that through? But the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is that I, I would assume also, you know, some of these opportunities to meet other people and, and network within their peer group that they don't always 
network with that you could say, hey, not only do I see that new cool place, but I'd like to work there. And now I've met some people there. And I, you know, instead of hopping around, because a lot of positions in the food industry, regardless of it's, you know, a chef or it's a wait staff or, you know, it's, it's a, a busser or a cocktail, uh, you know, or a bartender that oftentimes, and you said it earlier, you only see your own four walls. You live there, you might get frustrated there and then bounce because you're like, I can't take this anymore, but the next place is going to be better. But when you find out that not only sometimes is the next place not better, but it can't be better if we don't learn about it and try and create better spaces. And then if we do move on to make good, wise decisions about what's the next place I'm going to go to and why, rather than just jumping. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I found that I I was a former educator at the Art Institute of Philadelphia um, within their chef program and in their cooking culinary program. And um, often I'd get messages from people after they've been in the industry for like three to five years and they've for three to five years and they've put together, you know, all their eggs in one basket. Yep. You know, yep. I worked here, I went through the ranks, I did everything I could. Yep. And then they're contacting me to go, do you know of anybody else that's hiring? And I'm thinking, well, um, this, what do you, what do you want? Yes. What are you looking for? What is your intention that you're looking for the next opportunity? And often they don't know. Right. You exactly. Know? They just know they so, need to escape where they are. <laughs> yeah. And that w- always worried me. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I'd, I'd say, well, you know what, I may know someone, but even if I point you in that direction, the only way you're going to really know because you haven't had time to reflect is that, you know, you're going to test it out and then just be like, oh, I'm going to quit because I don't like this. Right, or I exactly. don't like them. It's not a good match. So I always was in fear of like recommending something because really it's about like, well, what do you enjoy? What's some new angle that you think you want to learn? Because that's where you're really going to find the match setting. And then also too, on the other side of the employer that doesn't think that through, because my, my problem is a lot too, with the, the language that people use when they're, when they're trying to attract people or, or connect in some way. And so often on the employer side, they would be like, I just need a warm body. Yep. Oh, what yeah. does that say? <laughs> what does that say? Exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, exactly. okay. Well, then I'm no one. I have no meaning. I have no purpose. I have no... Yes, but I breathe. <laughs> I breathe. I breathe and you just need me. So I guess, you know, yeah. And um, that's... Uh, I have a lot of issues with that, but <clears throat> we kind of we kind of are really pro-humanity, like very much in the welcoming side. There's a lot of ethical issues in our industry that are that are not upheld to a professional standard. And our group really tries to facilitate new means to make conversation open, dialogue more available, um, and connection because we feel that the isolation, no matter where you are, that's really the primary source. Like if we eliminate that, and even if they can't meet, they can watch a YouTube video, connect with someone, and then find like, I've had emails from people going, oh my God, I've thought this forever. And this is the first time I've ever heard somebody talk like this. I feel that way every time I have an interview with someone. I'm like, yep. oh my God, I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> so it's, it's exactly. great to feel validated. You know, that's so important. So we we started literally with just the YouTube videos going. My husband and I just put out videos on our YouTube channel and like we're just going to connect people even if they can't meet. Right. 
once a week. And that's and that's, a, that's an element of, you know, even when I was talking to you before we started taping about doing this podcast, it's an element that I didn't anticipate when I started doing this podcast, you know, I started taping last fall, is that it gives me a new way to reach people, have conversations that are different and connect with even more people just in the one-on-one conversations that impact others. And I think that especially given all the challenges that you're trying to bring people together physically, although keep doing it because that's so important and we miss that in so much of our lives today. But to give them different mediums to say, okay, I'm not alone. I do belong to this tribe. I do have a place here. My voice is heard even if I can't always be physically present, but to be able to pull people in and be able to say, mm-hmm. okay, I, I see that you understand my job, but more importantly, you understand my life. Yes. It, it's so hugely important. All of the all of the facets that we've done, I find that people, you know, it's a trust thing. They've run the gamut, they've worked themselves to death. And then here's this bubbly person who's always <laughs> smiling and everyone thinks like, oh, she's so happy, like all the time. Her life must have been incredible. Like, you know, my, and I've had people write me like, how are you so happy all of the time? I don't understand. <laughs> you must have had an amazing life. And I'm like, well, you know, th- life has been very challenging for me. And I think I can see the, the humility. Like I've seen despair, I've seen suffering, I've seen it in so many different ways. Like I didn't grow up with a lot of money. Like I'm a survivor of just life, you know, and many others are too. And I'm not afraid to dive into deep conversations with people about difficult topics, whether it's depression or, hey, I really went through this grieving process. Like I lost my father, you know, when I was in my 20s, six months after I got married, you know, it was like, and there was no one, he wasn't married to anybody. Like I had to take care of the estate, you know, it's these challenges that I feel that we've gone through. We make these assumptions like, oh, well, you don't know. And then if I'm happy, and even though these circumstances were just part of my past, I'm happy for a reason because I've I've worked through all of these things and I know what it's like to be at those places of just like falling to the floor like how are you going to make it tomorrow you know and I think that that happiness is because I'm not living that anymore I have a completely new life and I want others to enjoy you know that we, we can't just live our lives this way and just think like oh I'm part of a machine and then all of a sudden when I'm aware all of a sudden when I'm aware that I want to have a a new direction, it's almost like I've exhausted every other relationship and point of connection I've had. And then that loneliness and isolation comes in. It's so important. And I feel people don't really trust me right away because they're like, there's no way that someone could be this nice. Like, why are you so nice to me? And why do you keep doing this? And I'm like, that's just the way my heart feels. And this is something I'm very passionate about. I care and I understand where you are. And I want to connect with that. You know, so until people believe me and they're like, oh, okay, she's for real, you know, they're like, oh, you know what, I will go to that and I will be supported, you know, that and, and especially when they've been used a lot, I can totally understand like, oh, people have promised me this and that and I've never seen it. You know, it's harder to be positive than it is to be negative. It's so much easier to be like, eh, I don't know if they're doing like good stuff or like if that's really for me. It's so much easier because we just do that all the time. We have this cynicism, you know, about about life. 
And I think that it's really important that, you know, we recognize, we highlighted it earlier, but because people who work, especially in the food industry, often have very chaotic hours, uh, you might not have consistent shifts. Yep. Uh, if you do, you're still chaotic hours. There's never a, a clear sense of, you know, okay, I know I'm going to go to work from eight to five kind of thing. It just doesn't, and that it doesn't exist in a lot of industries anymore. Even people that, you know, go into office buildings, there's there's differences now. But I think within the food industry, just that uncertainty, um, and I see it a lot in retail too. I don't know if I'm going to you know, get off at four because it's slow, or am I going to be there till eight, or am I going to be there till 4 a.m.? Yep. And there's, there's an uncertainty to that, which can also physically disrupt you. I mean, your sleep, I have my, um, one of my brother-in-laws, he, he has a you know, a great job in the food industry um, in Northern Minnesota. And the guy, you know, works every morning till four or 5 a.m. And just, you know, just that sense of, God, when do I sleep? How do I sleep? Yep. You know, what do you do when you have to show up for family events and you have, you know, everybody else is up and awake and you're like, I've been asleep for 37 minutes. <laughs> and it, yeah. it takes a toll. And I was going to ask you too, because just because it's so poignant right now, you know, within the food industry, what is the feeling of the loss of somebody like Anthony Bourdain? You know, because Ugh. you 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 watch that, I'm devastated, and I don't even know him. You know, and I know that not everybody does, but you feel like you do, and you're and you sit back and you go, oh "My God, there's another great example of how everything looks perfect from the outside." And look, he's a guy who's made it in our industry, and look at how wonderful he is. But he still has his own demons. Oh yeah. I think it's hit everyone really hard. It's like one of those things where like, I can't go anywhere without somebody talking to me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's a good thing because I want them to talk Absolutely. about it. And I think that's a really great place to be in. But if I see someone in the food industry and they see me, they're like, oh, what do you think about that? Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me. I, I recently wrote an article that I published on LinkedIn about it because Cooks Who Care was like, you know, we're watching everyone online and seeing the dialogue that was being exchanged the day we found out the news. And three things were being said. One was, you know, RIP, see a brother, you know, you can clock out of your shift, you know, this you're done for today, you know, and a lot of people were putting up messages and stuff like that or having a toast that evening to a a man who was a lot of people's hero. Right. So the second message was, oh, if you're in crisis, like, please share this with somebody. There's a crisis hotline. And the third one, which alarmed me, was the fact that people were saying there are no words. And that was like, no, there are. We just don't know how to name them. And so I waited to make a response. I saw a lot of people um, like Chefs with Issues, another uh, group that helps people with like mental uh, wellness and has an open dialogue with people with support peers, ambassadors that engage in a dialogue online. And then there's like Heritage Foundation and a couple others that were already making statements. And I'm like, you know what, just like every post that anyone's putting up about Anthony Bourdain. And then if anyone in our community was making a statement that I've been in this place or I've attempted suicide or I've, I've been in this dark place, we will comment and acknowledge and say, thank you for opening up this dialogue. And that must be difficult for you to share this information. And Acknowledge it because that's like a huge piece is like we validate people for their thoughts and their feelings and say you have an open and welcome place because the difficult stuff needs to be shared. And we're not afraid to be like, 
we we want to engage in that. So that has been our our huge connection point. And then the piece that that I I had put out there, I was scared. <laughs> I was totally terrified to be like, this is a very sensitive topic. I had anxiety for like an hour after I hit the publish <laughs> button. And I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? You know, like after I like molded over, I wrote it the night before, I reread it, I looked at it. I, you know, I mean, I did all these things and I'm like, man, just hit send. Like this has to be there. And and it was embraced and people shared and people commented. And then it opened up this whole dialogue that I feel very appreciative because I I have not been in that specific area in my life, but I have witnessed dark moments and I know how that feels, but I can understand why somebody would go, I need that extra step. And it, and it's rational. Like that's the piece. And my thing was, well, no one, it's no wonder that nobody would talk about this or that there's no signs or symptoms because it's not socially acceptable to talk about this stuff. I mean, there's a whole mole of other issues that compound that issue that it's not, I don't want to bring someone down with my thoughts and like, I should be okay with it. Like that was the angle that I went with on that piece because they're like, well, no one saw. Well, why would you? Why, why would anyone, you know, no matter where you are? Yeah. Can hide a lot of things. And I think that's even more important why you said, you know, when people made any comment that was about, hey, I've been there, I felt those things, to acknowledge it and say, thank you so much for your openness, your honesty, because you prove then it's okay to talk and reach out. Yes. And those, that is, you know, that's the biggest chasm is that sense of, well, I can't, yeah, I can't lay this on anybody else. It's just my own demon to bear. And yet, until you lay it on somebody else, you can't. It, it's very hard to to move forward in your own emotional journey, you know. Right. It's very important. Exactly. So it's interesting that you share that. I'm glad you hit send. Remember, you can always delete it. <laughs> That's what I figure. Yeah. I put stuff out there yeah. and laugh when people yeah. you know get upset with me if I have a typo. I'm like, well, at least you're reading it. <laughs> I, I don't have to be perfect. I just want to make sure you're reading it. So thank you. <laughs> exactly. And putting it out there in the world, like I really struggled with that because like writing is not my strength. And I had people comment early on when we started this uh, negative feedback. I got negative feedback about putting stuff out there in the world. And um, I'm like, well, maybe I need to resource somebody that can help and assist. And I've learned a ton, you know, just by tapping into resources. But I agree, like, you know what, no one's talking about this. So yeah, sorry, it's not in the proper, I missed a comma or it's not in present <laughs> past. I put present and past tense in the same sentence. Like I'm getting better oh, at it, but like, Maria. you know, whatever, this is whatever. This is I always, I always tell people, you know, I started out my career as an elementary school teacher teaching English literature. I said, but I can't, I can't spell. And uh, <laughs> thank yeah. God for spell check. So I just don't worry oh about goodness. it. <laughs> and Grammarly, I have that on my uh, on my thing and it'll tell me like a little warning and, exactly. you know, if I'm too tired. I mean, I'm doing this also when I'm exhausted. Exactly. So it's like, I, I you know, I and even with fre my fresh eyes, our writer on our team, she's doing it when she's exhausted. Yeah. Too. So it's, she always laughs. And she's like, Maria, I'm not really fresh eyes, you know, but uh, <laughs> exactly. They're pretty tired. <laughs> well, so as we get near the end, a couple of questions I want to ask you. Sure. And uh, the first is, is, you know, when you think about your mission, if you have to say what your mission is in just a couple, you know, quick sentences, you know, and not just your mission, but your mission and the activities that you're drawing to it, you know, what is it that, that you guys are trying to do every day to make a difference in the lives of, of these people in the food industry? Number one, be more aware of yourself. 
Um, oh, no one can do that for anyone else. It is a self indicator. Um, so we try to let people know, be more aware of that, um, of their own personal limitations. And then the second is that we provide self-care solutions, whether it's social activities, wellness activities for your mind, your body, and with food. So we are starting to create new uh, self-care partners. We're rolling out a new program that employers can tap into, uh, individual operators can tap into, and we're creating in Philadelphia a system where local operators, you can engage with them at discount prices and and find introductory ways to get started. Like you don't have to take a full yoga class, but you can, hey, I was thinking about doing this. And now this company has created like a half hour session for you to try. You know, I think that's really our approach is to lower the barriers for everyone to engage in healthier activities and support their own personal wellness with our group. Mm-hmm. Very good. I love it. So here's my uh, the question I, I usually leave people with, and, and that is, knowing what you know now, what would you tell the younger Maria? And that doesn't necessarily mean younger in too many years, but you know, earlier in your career, earlier in your life, what would you tell that Maria that would have shot your potential farther faster? Um, I think that I was listening to a podcast. Um, I was listening to the liturgist podcast a little ways back. Somebody had put it on my radar and I like absolutely love it. And it was actually something that a gentleman said in a parenting conversation, but because I really didn't have parents, it really struck me. And he gave this guidance to his daughter and said, there's love in your heart. You're born with love in your heart. And no matter what you do for others, it will not make someone love you more. And I think for me, that really hit me hard as a parent myself, that if I would have known that earlier on, it probably would have stopped a lot of over-excelling and overdoing and over-commitments because that was a piece of my younger self that I didn't really know about myself, that it's already there, it's in your heart, and no matter what you do, that's not going to change anybody's opinion of you. And that acceptance of that, you know, when he verbalized it that way, I never connected Mm. it that way. And I was like, I want to teach that to my son, you know, that that's really important, even just for my own self-care. And I think that really guides what, what we do, that you're enough. Your title doesn't matter. It's you, you are a person inside that and it's not your whole identity. I wish I would have known that earlier. Yeah. I love that. And I think that ties very nicely to your mission, that it's about recognizing and loving and caring for yourself first, because no matter how much, you know, how hard you work for everybody else, you still are the only one that can take you through the good times and bad and lift yourself up and and keep yourself going. If you don't take care of yourself, we know what happens. Exactly. Yep. Wonderful. So people who want to learn more about you, I know you have a website that is cookswhocareinspired.com, correct? Yep. And then you also have YouTube channel. So if somebody just looks up Cooks Who Care Inspire, will they find it on YouTube? They they can look up just Cooks Who Care channel on YouTube. They'll find it, like, subscribe, and comment because it is relatable to any it industry. Really is. I've, I've, I've talked to everyone about that. So I'd love people who aren't in the industry to follow and like and comment and say how it relates <laughs> to their industry. 
um, you know, oh, because we're not getting those kind of comments publicly yet. And I would I would love that. And our Instagram has a totally different storytelling piece uh, where we do Instagram story features, which are more bite size mm-hmm. uh, pieces when people don't have time. So we really try to cover the gamut of connection to say it doesn't matter how much time you have. If you have a little time, go to Instagram, go to Facebook. Uh, we're almost on every medium. Absolutely. I love it. Maybe you guys need to think about a podcast also. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep, 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 yeah. Well, Maria, it has been fabulous to have you on. I think that you are so correct that, you know, so many things that you're trying to achieve and so many of the issues that that uh, the people you're trying to reach face are are you know, common across many different industries. So there's a lot of similarities. The bottom line is, you know, we have a responsibility to take care of ourselves and and keep our keep our bodies, souls, and and minds uh, fresh and inspired. And uh, I think that uh, what you do is is making a difference in that every day. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. And we will talk again soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Learn more today about my book, Tell Me More, and about me at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. Make it a great day.